Welcome back to the Tangent Podcast. It is great to be with you. I'm your host, Austin. And I'm Jack. Welcome to today's episode. How you doing, Jack? Thirsty. Me too. Me as well. And I'm quite excited today about the beverage at hand because this brand has a great history with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold up just a sec. I'm going to turn my light on. Well, yeah, it's kind of dark in here too. All right. Well, do you want to you want to tell our listeners what we're drinking today? Of course. Sorry, I was trying to turn on my light switches further than I thought it was as well. <laughs> of course, I do. Well, today we are drinking Rainstorm Clean Energy. Uh. This one's uh, from the good old boys over at Rain, who we have uh, tested multiple times, and I think usually given great reviews to, you know? Solid history up until the jalapeno strawberry. Oh, good. No, that was horrible. I forgot about that. Other than that, though, like across the board, really solid. They do also have a fun description, so I'm going to read it. It says, harness the power of great tasting, clean energy. PhD formulated without artificially sourced caffeine, flavors, or colors, and pasteurized for your safety. Does it have milk or something? Yeah, what the heck? Pasteurized for your safety without added preservatives, sodium benzoate, or potassium sorbate. I don't know what any of that means, but sounds promising. Our proprietary energy blend helps boost metabolism, which in combination with exercise and a healthy diet, ah, crap, helps oh, burn fat. Man. This product alone does not produce weight loss. Individual <laughs> results may vary. Rainstorm is an FDA-regulated beverage, not a dietary supplement. Masquerading as a beverage. Interesting. Very interesting. Huh. Well, zero sugar. What's the sweetener? Probably, oh, erythritol. Okay. So stevia, I, what? It's a stevia oh. leaf. It's supposed to be one of the better. It's not artificial. I guess it's natural, so it's supposed to be better. We'll see. It's huh. what uh, some of the monsters have now in them too. So it looks like this guy's got two hundred milligrams of caffeine from plant-based sources. Oh, jeez. Isn't all caffeine plant-based? Like, I don't think there's any animals that have caffeine in them that we're harvesting, right? Well, art- artificially, I think is the other option. Okay. It looks like this one comes from uh, green tea extract, ginseng, guarana, and goyasa. Goyasa, huh? That's a new one I haven't heard. Guayusa? I'm not sure how to pronounce that, honestly. Guayusa. Well, sweet. Let's give this a go. What flavor are we drinking? Does that say 45% eggs? Oh, no. I said, I saw that too. It was like EG something S or something. Oh, EGCG or EGCG or something. 45% eggs. Okay. I will. I don't even think we said we were drinking Valencia orange flavor. Orange is usually salt. Ooh, it smells really good. Yes, it does. Oh, it smells delicious. Whoa. Ooh. That's interesting. I think it's delicious. Honestly. That tastes like just like carbonated orange juice. It does. 
That's wow. pretty much exactly what it is. Wow. I'm giving that like an 8.5. That is really good. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I really, I'm not really a like huge that. orange. I'm not a really huge orange juice person, but it is good. So I'm going to go with a seven. I'm an orange juice person, but I have never been an orange energy drink person. But this, I like that a lot. Oh, it has 0% juice. Ah, nuts. Oh, Valencia is a type of orange. I did not know that. Did you not know that? <laughs> no, I, I didn't even know there were kinds of oranges. I just thought there were oranges. Yep, comes from Valencia, Spain. <clears throat> um, Yeah, delicious. Mm. I highly recommend. The only problem is it's one of those uh, small Red Bull-sized cans instead of the regular big ones. It was like, and it was only like 20 cents cheaper than... A full size. Yeah, they're regular ones. Cool. But it well, is quite delicious. Good nonetheless. Well, let's uh let's kick things off today with some space news. This is kind of fun. I haven't heard of this up until now, but NASA is developing what they are calling the Nancy Grace Roman Space Telescope. <clears throat> and it oh, really? was recently delivered to an aerospace company in Colorado where they're integrating some of the camera systems on it. And it is a, an infrared space telescope, and it's supposed to be launching in May 2027. And wow. what they're going to be using it for is to study dark energy and dark matter, like study exoplanets and anything that has to do with infrared, the infrared light spectrum. So things that we previously really haven't been able to study they'll be able to hopefully get a lot more information on. So get this, the 18 detectors on there each have 16.8 million tiny pixels. Wow. Which is crazy. Um, So the hope with this is that they'll be able to see one super far, but then two, they'll also be able to see through things like dust clouds or like asteroid belts pretty well to, see different exoplanets or study is this what's dark matter. is this going to replace the james webb no it's a different type i don't think the james webb okay. does much infrared stuff as far as i know it's more well, i thought it did may, maybe it does um let's see james webb space telescope is a space telescope currently conducting infrared astronomy huh okay um yeah i guess so i i don't know <laughs> much about the differences but um yeah this is supposed to be they're testing it next summer or this they're supposedly testing it this summer but the deal with this one is it, i guess it's hyper finicky with temperature so it has to like the arrays only operate at minus 288 degrees fahrenheit so they they have to develop like crazy cooling systems because any residual heat from any other component on the craft can just like ruin it and make it not see a thing. And so they're they've developed these cameras to install, but now they have to develop these cooling systems to be able Jeez. to let it see and not die. <laughs> so they have to maintain like perfect temperature, which in space is I feel like easier because you don't it, it's cold up there. So you can maintain right. the cold temperature easier. But like if it fluctuates at all, then they lose picture out of it. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And yeah, like you said, I don't know how different it will be from James Webb, but 
I think the purpose with this is dark matter and dark energy, which is awesome. Wow. How are you supposed to observe dark matter when it's literally unobservable by by definition? Infrared. I think, I think infrared. I, uh, 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 OK, sure. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not smart enough to refute any of this, so. Uh, supposedly it's also um oh it doesn't emit any infrared radiation so i don't know but they're going to apparently be able to tell the like the history of the universe how fast the universe has expanded because they can see like if you've ever heard the term redshift or blue shift they can tell Mm -hmm. how things how far things are away in space based on the color of light that's that we detect, whether it's coming toward us, it'll be a different color because it's traveling faster than if it's going away. We're detecting that light at a slower speed. So it'll be able to kind of see the the age of the universe or the history of the expansion of the universe and see really how far space has expanded, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I again, I don't know how different it'll be from the JST or the J. JWST, I guess, but oh well, yeah, kind of fun. Hey, though. I, I'm all about more things in space taking pictures. Yeah, so. like even the James Webb dude. Like, there have you seen? Have you ever just looked at some of the pictures that thing has taken? Oh yeah, it's incredible. Like the black hole thing, all the nebulas and the like. It's it's crazy. Like it's so freaking cool. Well, like even, one of the first. One of the first ones they released, like when they were doing testing, was like seriously one of the most like awe-inducing images I've ever seen in my life. And I'm yeah. trying to find it right now. There's like the, the mountains. There's one like that's mountains. like the, the pillars kind of thing. I don't remember what they yeah, call it. Yeah, it might be that. Um, but yeah, like I'm looking at a bunch of them now and it's just. it. You, you've never seen space like that before, like. I didn't imagine yeah. that that it looked at all like that. <clears throat> yeah, the pillars How of do you creation. Find all the pictures. That, so if you look yeah, at pillars of one. creation, what's the, is this one I'm looking at? Um, it's like a reddish cloud of with blue, blue in the yeah. upper part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's I I remember released <sighs> that picture and I was just like, holy crap, that is like beautiful. Yeah. And you you look at it compared to like I'm looking at one right now that's the Hubble versus the James Webb and they look similar. But like the Hubble has like five stars in the background and the James Webb has like a million stars in the background. Yeah. And you get the blue coming through like you see so much more detail on the like the pillars themselves. It's insane to me the, the change. And imagine now. So the James Webb was launched what a couple years ago. So they're launching this one in 2027. If they already have the camera arrays built for this one and it's launching in four years, imagine like what they're developing right now that will be launched in 10 years. Like it's going to blow this away. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but I well, sweet. any new pictures of space are fun, and I hope that it allows us to learn more about dark matter and dark energy. For sure. For sure. All right, well, uh, shall we move on to a spooky story? We shall. All righty. Let's read one titled. And I lost the title. Nice work. <laughs> uh, okay, you get to choose. 
Would you rather hear ghostly drumming or the weirdness? Uh, I I guess the weirdness. All right, the weirdness it is. All right, this goes. We moved into our new house in 1970 when I was five. The weirdness started pretty much straight away. The first night we were there, my dad's watch, a typical 1970 stainless steel brick of a thing, which he always put on his bedside table, was found in the morning to be completely dismantled, like someone had taken a lump lump hammer to it. Even the main spring had been stretched out all 18 inches from my sleeping from my sleeping dad's head. Not really sure what that means. Uh, Over the next 40 years, we had all kinds of weirdness. 40 years. Uh, Oh, yeah. 40 years. That's a long time. Uh, Keep going, because I want (laughs) to see how long they put up with what kind of hijinks were going on here. All right. All right. Over the next 40 years, we had all kinds of weirdness from sudden temperature drops and cold spots, which moved. I regularly had to move my bed around every month or so, which were so extreme. I can remember my breath condensing in June. One evening, we came home and found uh, the hatch to the attic ajar. It was never opened. Uh, And there were muddy paw prints all around it. On the ceiling, we didn't have a dog. Hmm. We had an antique clock, which apparently hadn't worked since before I was born and was kept as sort of an ornament. The hands of the clock would change time when you weren't looking at it. Literally, it would say 645. You would look away, then look back and it would be 330. I remember a perfect circle of thunder flop of thunderflies over on the ceiling over my head, which just sort of evaporated. And we were forever hearing people or furniture move around in rooms we knew were empty. I was five when we moved back or we when we moved there and the oldest of three kids, although none of us would ever sleep with the light off. I don't remember being scared. Looking back, I remember us talking about the ghost almost like an irritating eccentric relative after we had extensive work done on the house in the early 80s the ghost settled down a bit and there was less weirdness the last time it was it made its presence felt was about five years ago my dad was away and my brother was popping in to check that all was well As always, he went through the house, turning the lights on before he went into a room, then off as he left. Eventually, he was back at the front door, about to leave, switched the light off, and it was dark outside. As the hallway went dark, someone gave a breathy gasp right next to his ear. Ew. After he had gotten control of himself, he had to go back and shut the front door. For the record, I am an atheist who regularly has seen ghosts throughout my life. I don't believe in the undead or in relentless rel- rel- spirits or new age hoodoo. I have no idea what caused the weirdness in my house. And one last thing, when I was about 20, I'm 46 now for what it's worth. I met a woman completely randomly 
who had lived in the same house in the mid 60s, who told me she remembers it as a warm, friendly place with no weirdness of any sort. Hmm. And that's that's it. I'm saying 40 years of bullcrap. I would have left about 39 and a half years ago. Yes, seriously. But I guess, I mean, in his defense or in their defense, none of it was threatening. Yeah, I guess it wasn't like this continuous. I guess it was continuous, but like, yeah, like it never got worse, like a constant threat or constant like fear for your life, I guess. Honestly, it sounded like he was just it was just a dude having fun with the family. Just like, hey, watch this. Because <laughs> let's see it. Uh, just a group of sudden ghost temperature dudes drops. Ghost dudes. Yep. Uh, muddy paw prints on the ceiling. That one's moving weird. hands of the clock. Circle of thunderflies on the ceiling, which just what sort of evaporated. The heck are thunderflies? I have no idea. Uh, forever hearing people moving furniture in rooms that we knew were empty. Um, a breathy gasp. That one was weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But and here's the thing. I, rem- I remember being a kid with the breathy gasp. So in my house, I always used to get freaked out because I would hear what I thought was like a gasp. It was the toilet running like the toilet would start and just like <gasps> make that noise of the water running. And oh. for the longest time, I thought it was a person. It was the toilet. So I feel like that one could fairly easily be explained away of like it was just the front noise. porch. Does that? Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. But there's not a lot of things on the front porch to. Where do they live? They might have a toilet on their front porch. You never know. It didn't. It never said. (laughs) Uh, No, that's freaky, though. And yeah, it sounds like over 40 years, there were enough instances that the paw prints on the wall, like the ceiling is weird. Because if you're playing a prank, that's like, I wouldn't think to do that even as a prank. (laughs) Yeah, that, Here, let me get my dog. Fair. That is just try like, to hold them the upside down. You know, no dog is going for that. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's it just makes me think of Spider Pig from The yeah. Simpsons. <laughs> it is weird and and crazy, nonetheless. That's a good one. I I love how this guy at the end goes. You know. Yeah, things are definitely haunted around here. Oh me, I don't believe in any of it. I don't believe in undead or restless spirits or new age hoodoo. It's just like, oh, really? I mean, that would probably change my mind if it went on for 40 years in the same house. Yeah, I I'm too much of a wimp to live in a haunted house for 40 years. Plus, uh, I don't see myself living in any house for 40 years. Seriously, I'm like. Like, don't people move after like 20 years in the same house? Usually something like that. I mean, a mortgage is 30 at that point. Upgrade your house. But maybe they loved their house and <laughs> and they're fine with it. But I, I can't say anything because the longest I've lived in a house that I've purchased is like a year and a half. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad, uh, you know. It didn't do anything bad, but yeah, definitely weirdness. Definitely weirdness. Good title. Shall we get to the topic for the day? Yeah, we got to. 
This one's fun. It's uh, one I've always been interested in, but never really looked into. Like, I hear about it all the time. There's tons of things in pop culture about it. But I never knew why it was, like, such a thing. And what we are discussing today is the city of Atlantis and its disappearance. And I guess primarily whether it's real or not, which after studying this, I my mind might be changed a little bit on whether it was a real thing or not. So getting back to the old days of ancient Greece, a philosopher named Plato. He was really, I mean, obviously we all know who Plato was, right? Philosopher who wrote a lot of things. A lot of his things are really hard to read. Like I tried reading through even the Atlantis stuff and it's a tough tough read um but we've all heard of him right and we've all heard of this city of atlantis we've probably all seen the disney movie um there's tons of movies yeah looking about it is a great movie that era of disney (laughs) movies like atlantis treasure planet like oh oh, it's so good it's so good um but we've all heard of atlantis right like it's a big thing there's resorts named after atlantis and just tons of stuff in pop culture. So um, and I just never really knew why it was a big thing. And so looking into this. <clears throat> so when Plato was alive, he wrote some works called the Timaeus and the Critias. Um, and in both of these works, he mentions this island, supposedly fictional island uh, named Atlantis. And the name comes from the the man atlas we've heard of the man atlas who like he's the guy that holds up the world right so the name atlantis actually comes from atlas who is the son of i believe poseidon and so that's where the name comes from and so atlantis existed in the time when athens also existed ancient athens and the story was that atlantis was this big antagonist big naval power that tried to besiege ancient athens and that Athens repelled the attack and they were like the first people that were able to repel the Atlanteans. And so um, the theory is that Plato wrote about this because he was trying to write about his ideal republic or system of government. And Athens at the time was seen as, you know, the, the superpower. And so he was basically using this as an example to show that like push Athens as like the superior state in the world. And so the story ended with Atlantis uh, falling out of favor with the deities or the gods and being sunken into the Atlantic ocean. And so um, that, that was a very, very, very short story. And we'll get into a little bit more about it, but that's what Atlantis was, right? It's just, it's this lost city or this lost Island that no one's ever been able to find. No one knows if it's real and Plato did write a lot of works of fiction, so it's theorized that this is fiction, um, but we'll get into some of the reasons why people believe that it is a real place or was a real place. <laughs> so anything... Yeah, isn't it that uh, Plato regularly spoke in uh, allegories, I believe? Yeah, yeah. And it's... so people believe that this was one of his allegories, meaning it has a uh, it's a story that has a hidden meaning for... A different purpose but i mean not every story he told had was 
an allegory. So who knows? Right. But that is a, a big, big thing I've heard on why it may not be a real place. One of the arguments anyway. Yeah, he, he did do primarily allegories. And and the thing when a, a lot of researchers and historians say that when he used allegories, he obviously if he's making up a story or, or telling a, a fictitious work, it's not that specific, right? It's more of a tale with few actual details because he's just yeah. kind of making it up, right? Or it's like a story that's been passed down and and isn't real. But if he was writing about something that was real, he was very specific and would describe things in a certain specific way and give a lot of detail about them. And so one of the the differences with his allegory of Atlantis was that he gave a lot of specifics to the location, the size and description of how the island was laid out and the people and things like that, that that's one of the main reasons that people think that it's more than just an allegory because he gave all of these specifics about it. So yeah, you're correct. Um, it, It's hard to determine because he did use so many allegories and, the the theory of why he used Atlantis as an allegory was because at the time he was trying to discourage there's this term called hubris, which is like pride or overconfidence in a society. And so he was using Atlantis as an allegory of the dangers of a hubris nation where, you know, they, they were so prideful. They thought they ruled the world. They felt the hands of Athens and they fell out of favor with the gods and they were destroyed. So it was basically a warning of like, hey, don't get prideful. We need to. It's uh, like a like a what's the kid? Uh, Icarus. Yeah. 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 Is that right? One like, like don't get too, too close, close to, to the, the sun. sun. Yeah. Yep. yep. Burn like it's like that. And... It's like yeah, you can if you if you get too high and mighty, uh, you, you're probably going to mess up on a few governmental choices and have some sort of downfall, whether it be by an outside or inside force. Yeah. I th- I think this allegory was more of a foreshadowing of what he probably saw coming in society with Greece being one of the world's superpowers at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, them potentially falling due to their arrogance and pride. And so you're, you're absolutely right. The allegory is the main theory that it's fake, <laughs> But there is some interesting evidence that will go over um, of why people think that it's real. <clears throat> so um, the Timaeus and the Critias, again, those are the two works in which Atlantis is mentioned. So I wanted to read a little bit from those about his description of Atlantis and kind of go over what he said about them. So these are right. really the only primary sources for Atlantis that we've found everything else that mentions it after Plato's time is based on these two sources. And so these two uh, written works claim to quote a man whose name was Solon or Solon. And he was from Athens as well. He was like a lawmaker. He was a writer, poet, uh, politician type person. And he was trying to basically build up a system of democracy at the time. And he lived in about, I think, three to four hundred B or no, sorry, five to six hundred BC. And so at this time, it was theorized that he visited ancient Egypt, had a lot of dealing with the Egyptians, had some dealings with um, Africa and kind of was a traveler between the Mediterranean or Greek areas, Roman areas, and then. Um, kind of Western Europe and Africa as well. 
And so the theory is that Solon, who apparently was Plato's very distant grandfather, this story was passed down from Solon about Atlantis and then eventually was told to Plato. And that's where he found this story. And so in 360 BC, that's when Plato was alive. He So there's about 200 to 240 years between Plato and Solon. So this story has been passed down, you know, over a couple hundred years, but um, the, the Timaeus, it says, so I'm quoting now, it says, for it is related in our records, how once upon a time, your state stayed the course of a mighty host, which starting from a distant point in the Atlantic ocean was insolently advancing to attack the whole of Europe and Asia to boot. So he's referencing Atlantis here saying they're big power right now. They're going to basically conquer the world. And he says, for the ocean there was at that time navigable, for in front of the mouth, which you Greeks call, as you say, the Pillars of Heracles, there lay an island which was larger than Libya and Asia together. And it was possible for the travelers of that time to cross from it to the other islands and from the islands to the whole of the continent over against them, which encompasses that veritable ocean. For all that we have here lying within the mouth of which we speak is evidently a haven having a narrow entrance, but that yonder is a real ocean and the land surrounding it may most rightly be called in the fullest and truest sense a continent. Now, in this island of Atlantis, there existed a confederation of kings of great and marvelous power, which held sway over all the island and over many other islands and also also and parts of the continent. <coughs> Excuse me. So basically, he's saying Atlantis is this big power. It's a massive island, which at the time he says is larger than Asia and Libya put together. But what's interesting is that he also says that travelers could pass from it to other islands and to the whole of the continent um, that it was that it was part of. So whether it's really an island on its own or whether it's part of a larger continent, um, is is a big question right because he describes how they could pass from atlantis to this continent and travel kind of freely um but he also says that it that it lay around the area of the pillars of heracles which is theorized i was wondering what is that so it's theorized to be the strait of gibraltar which is an area on the west side of the mediterranean sea it's a tiny tiny little um strait in the ocean so if you look it up on Google you'll it's like if you look up Strait of Gibraltar there's a really famous rock formation there as well so it's where Spain juts out to the south and Africa juts out to the north and there's okay, a yep. tiny right. little it's right as they are about to about to kiss yep and there's a really famous like couple big rock formations there and so the pillars oh, yeah, of Heracles so the one on the north side in Spain, I, I don't remember oh, wow. what it's called. I think it's called the Rock of Gibraltar. Um, and then on the south side, there's a couple peaks that are theorized in Africa to be the second pillar of Heracles. So this rock on the north side is one pillar of Heracles. The rock on the south side is the other pillar of Heracles. And so they're saying that this Atlantis, island of Atlantis, lay somewhere in that area, the Pillars of Heracles. And then the Atlantic Ocean out to the west bears the same name of Atlas, right? So it was theorized that um, Poseidon, he was one of the the main 12 Hellenic deities of old. He um, divided the land so that each 
or all the deities divided the land so that each of these deities would have their own spot. And Poseidon, he uh, had some twin sons and he gave the eldest, who was Atlas, he made him the king over the entire island of Atlantis. That's where the name comes from. And then the ocean as well. So the the island of Atlantis and then the Atlantic Ocean was all of Atlas's domain, right? And then the rest of his, of Poseidon's piece of the world went to the rest of his kid. He Apparently he had five sets of twins with a lady named Clato. And so all of his sets of twins got basically pieces of his large kingdom or large inheritance or whatever you want to call it. <coughs> Sorry, I have a little cough going on. So that's good. that's kind of where people theorize that it would have been um, is in this area of Spain and Africa, which makes sense, because if you think Spain kind of borders that Mediterranean Sea right to the east and then you've got Africa there. So if we're thinking back to Solon, who I mentioned earlier, who was one of Plato's distant relatives who apparently passed down the story of Atlantis, he was visiting Egypt and he was visiting um, Western Europe as well. So he would, this would have been in a prime position for him to be going back and forth between Egypt, Spain, Greece, kind of that central area there where he could have had dealings with all the people that it said he was visiting, right. And Atlantis as well. And so, um, it is kind of a centralized area for all of these touch points that people say Atlantis had with the world. <clears throat> and so that, that's what the Timaeus says about, um, Atlantis, the Critias, which is Plato's other um, dialogue, it talks about the same thing, right? There's this island. Um, it was later sunk by an earthquake because they had fallen out of favor with the gods and that it just became this basically big, huge, giant mud hole. And there was no travel past that to any part of the ocean. It was impassable. No one could get through. <clears throat> and so it was destroyed and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. So they talk about the size of Atlantis a little bit in the Critias. So there's an ancient unit of measurement called um, a stade or a stadion. And if you say it plural, it's stadia. So a stadion or a stade is a unit of length that uh, consisted of 600 Greek feet, which we don't know exactly what that is today, but it's estimated between about 150 to 200 meters. And so this island was about um, 3,000 stadia, which if we put that into miles, it's about 345 miles or 555 kilometers. So that's it's going to be an oblong shape in the south and then extends in one direction about 345 miles. <clears throat> and then across the Dang, center... <coughs> So, so big, right? That's huge. Like that's a respectable Island. Yeah. It's pretty massive. Like he said, it, it was larger than he estimated it to be larger than ancient Libya and Asia minor, which Asia minor is, um, it's, uh, just a, a part of Western Asia that is like Turkey, basically, basically all of Turkey. And so, um, it's not all of Asia, but it's a large, large country. <laughs> Sorry, right. just a second. I'm I'm getting a bunch of phone calls here. I'm gonna look who's who's calling. No, you're good. Okay. 
All right. So you good? Yeah. Let me find where it was. No, you're good. I uh, mind if I interject here with an interesting point of evidence that I found. Go right ahead. Because I saw this one and was uh, intrigued, mainly because we are already talking about just south of Spain, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, um, apparently a team of English historians believe they have found the location of the city of Atlantis. Using satellite imagery, the experts say that ancient Spanish ruins may hold the key to solving one of the world's most intriguing mysteries. The researchers believe the city was built by mysterious people known as Atlanteans, with their pictures showing remnants of the harbor wall measuring five and a half miles long in the southern part of Spain. This wall was mentioned by Plato, who wrote about the wall, saying it was 50 stadia long, making it five and a half miles on today's measurement scale. Historians believe the area inside the National Park, the Donana, not sure, National Park, uh, was once a vast inland sea. And uh, the rest is unimportant, but um, that is super interesting that they found something which references something uh, that he said that happens to be exactly where he said. I don't know. I mean, maybe he already knew about that wall, but it is kind of interesting seeing that they found something in that exact spot. Yeah, and there's something else I'll get to in a minute with that exact place, too. So, um, Oh, sorry, did I jumped the gun no, on your no, stuff. No, you're, I, I was getting there. You're totally fine. So I was just going to mention, so one of the descriptions about how the the place looks like if you were to look down on top of Atlantis. So we've kind of seen that it's this oblong shape, right? Like, like you said about five miles, this wall on the Southern end and Plato mentions that it was like a mountain that was low on all the sides on the coast, which is interesting, like a really low mountain or wall, like you said, which Uh was 50 stadia um, from the coast. And then, so it's this big old Island oblong shape, but then in the middle of the Island, they have, these concentric circles concentric meaning that they all share the same center point and so and are you talking about this blue eye of africa that i found so that's another one that's another one okay um but apparently these ruins in spain share a similar structure to this so okay um when poseidon was gifted this big piece of land he um basically carved the mountain out which is probably that gibraltar mountain there um And he enclosed it with three circular moats that all increased in width. So these are these three concentric circles, or again, they all share the same center point. They get bigger as they go out. So it looks like a target almost, right? And so they vary from one to three stadia in diameter, and they're separated by rings of land that are between them. And so if you were to look down on Atlantis, it would look like a target basically. And so then they would build bridges northward from the mountain that would give them a route to go to the rest of the Island over these moats. And then they dug a canal that went out to the sea as well so that ships could come in and out of Atlantis. And so Super interesting description, right? Three moats with these rings of land, and apparently these ruins in this Doniana National Park match that um, 
that description. So I'm I'm trying to find the source where where I found that, but I I found a source today. I, I can't find it, but I found this source that was showing that they have like lidar uh, scans that show a similar concentric circle pattern of these ruins or of the land you know around these ruins which is very interesting because it matches up directly one with the location like you said and then two with the description of how the location was like built and mapped out right another another piece of evidence so this is the 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 most convincing to me for the spain theory of where it's located is there's a shipwreck that was found in the year, I believe, t- around the year 2000. Um, let me see if I can see exactly when it was found. But it was found off between Sicily and Spain, somewhere between Sicily and Spain. Um, and it was thought to be from Greece, but it was a shipwreck that was found. And on this boat, they found 39 ingots of metal, which an ingot is just like a bar, right? A bar of metal. And... Right. um. They were just like 10 feet under the the ocean. And so they were looking at this metal and the analysis showed that it was an alloy of copper, zinc, lead, iron, and nickel, which if it was this alloy to make ingots or bars, to manufacture these bars of this metal, they would have had to have a smelting technique that wasn't around for like at least a thousand years after the time that Atlantis was supposed to be there. And so one of the claims with Atlantis is that they were this superpower, right? And so they had this crazy technology. They were so much more advanced than the rest of the world. And so did they have the ability to make, you know, these high quality, crazy good materials? Because this was not only did they need this special technology or smelting ability to make this, but like when they found this no one had ever seen this same uh, alloy before. Like they'd never seen this composition of these five metals in this way before. And it had, they said it had kind of like a bronze or a copper type appearance to it, which is interesting because Plato in his record of Atlantis cites this mythical metal that's called oricalcum and oricalcum oricalcum. It's spelled O-R-I-C-H-A-L-C-U-M. So if you look up Oricalcum, um, it's like a golden colored bronze alloy. And it was used for coins okay, yep. and things like that. Um, and it was supposed to be more, more valuable than copper. But Plato was the first to describe this in his record of Atlantis is like their special material that they used. And so it's really interesting that they find this previously unknown or unseen mixture of metals off of the coast of where Atlantis like was theorized to be in a shipwreck. So that that's just like a crazy coincidence to me that, that they found it there because <laughs> it matches up yeah, fairly well with, with Plato's record of that. Um, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And like I I was kind of skeptical about it being a thing until then and I was like, "Oh, shoot." Like that that to me alone was enough evidence. And then paired with the the National Park in Spain, I was like, "That's pretty pretty compelling there to 
to at least say that there was some civilization there that that we didn't know about. Right. Or that that we still don't right. know about, because the biggest thing with Atlantis is. As far as we know, there's no material or physical evidence of it, like we've never found the island, we've never found any artifacts from it or written history or drawings or anything from what are theorized to be the Atlantean people. So to find right. a metal that matches up with an account directly from Plato, like that's huge. That's one of the most compelling pieces of evidence to say this could be real paired right with the location. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, something else I heard that was interesting. This part, I'm not, you know, sure on like, Maybe just some random dude said this, but uh, I heard that Atlantis itself wasn't just one city. It was like a kingdom. And that there were actually multiple spots. Like, I don't remember how many, but a couple different cities like, you know, nearby kind of thing. Did you hear anything about that or is that just crazy, crazy talk I read? Yeah, so I I mean, I, I heard a little bit about that. So apparently there was the kingdom right so that that was atlas's domain right like he was given uh to be the king over this area and so you're right um and then atlantis then being this naval power went out and conquered other areas as well so yeah i i don't know too much about the history of that myself i wasn't able to find or research a lot of that, but yeah, I, I definitely the reason heard that I way. think that is because like there's another one of those. Um, there's more than one of those. What are they called? The concentric circle things you were talking about. So, so uh, do you want to go into the? Do you want to talk a little bit about the one in Africa that you mentioned? Then the, the yeah, eye of the yeah. Sahara, because this one, this one is the other most compelling locational and like like geographical evidence that I've seen for it. Yes, I agree. It's kind of insane, actually. So it's called the technically the real name for it is like I think it's the Rishat structure. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's it. Is that if that's how it's yep. pronounced? Do you know how it's pronounced? Yeah, it's Rishat. Rishat. It's R-I-C-H-A-T. And this thing is like crazy cool. Like when I first saw it, I thought it was like a. Um, I thought it was an image of Mars, honestly, for some reason kind of gives me that vibe it, it or maybe does. like that the storm of uh saturn i think or yeah Jupiter like the storm. eye the Which eye one of, has that the eye of jupiter is it the eye of jupiter yeah something like that yep the eye of jupiter um but so this is located oh my gosh i just lost it there it is um oh my word it doesn't want to work all of a sudden it, it it looks very like alien Mar to me. Like yeah, like if you watch the movie Signs, <laughs> you would think yeah. that you'd see something like this out in the field. <laughs> so yeah, it's the Rishat structure, also known as the Eye of the Sahara or the Blue Eye of Africa, is a prominent geo geolocal geological circular feature in the Sahara Desert in Mauritania near Quadine. Wow, I'm really bad at Wadine. That's not a Q, that's a no. Uh, Sahara Desert, let's just go with that, is nearly 50 kilometers across and very visible from space. 
initially interpreted as an asteroid impact structure because of its high degree of circularity. Um, But it is now believed that it's a volcanic eruption, I think. Oh, no, sorry. I thought it was, but apparently this one's saying that that one was also debunked because of the lack of dome or igneous or volcanic rock. So it's like um, Austin was saying earlier, from the top down, it looks like a target. Like there's a big center area, then it kind of like dips down all the way around it like a big moat and then comes back up and there's land. But then that one dips back down in a big moat around that and there's land. It comes back up and then it goes back down one more time for a huge giant last one. And again, this thing is 50 kilometers across and it's kind of insane. Like, I don't know, is in your research, did you find something that create this can can create this naturally? Uh, So the only real theory that I was able to find is like weather erosion, water erosion. What What kind of water does that, though, naturally? So some of the theories with Atlantis have to do with the great flood, right? Or the, the deluge as it's known. Uh, most cultures around the world have some kind of story of like a great flood, even here in the Americas. Like um, when I was in Panama, they, the natives there had a story of a great flood and how they had to go high into the mountain to, or like one of their descendants went high in the mountain and lived and then started the race over again. Right. So most, most cultures around the world have that history or that right. like idea that there was a great flood. And so it, it's possible that it could be, you know, a really deeply eroded structure. If you look at it, um, you see, so depending on what picture you're looking at, it might be in a different spot. I'm looking at one that's pretty zoomed out, but on the top right of the one I'm looking at, it looks like there's like a river going away or like a, like an eroded riverbed or something going away from the structure. And that would match up with the description that Plato gave where they had these concentric rings, right? That this is exactly what it looks like, but then they dug a channel out to the ocean so that boats could get in and out. Yeah, from where I'm looking at, I see that in the bottom left, I think. But I mean, there's probably a lot of different pictures. Yeah, but but that that's a theory is that it's weather erosion, right? Is is the theory of a flood or, you know, thousands of years ago, the Sahara was a very green, green place. Like it wasn't a vast desert like it is today. It was super green and one of the most biodiverse places in the entire world. And so if this predates the Sahara becoming a giant desert, then it would make sense that there could have been an abundance of water there that could have eroded. But it's a weird pattern for it to erode that way. Like, I don't know how it would have eroded the land that way unless you've got this lake that keeps growing and shrinking and growing and shrinking. But then again, like, how would it create these three moats? You know, I. Yeah. Why would it skip parts of land or whatever? Yeah, I have no idea. But the other thing is the size of it matches up with the description of how many stadia across the the rings were the 25 miles of some of the rings in Atlantis from Plato's description, too. So the size matches the description almost perfectly as well, which is which is crazy. Like it's 
It's, uh, let's see, according to Plato, the island was circular, divided into concentric circles of water and land. Quote, there were two of land and three of water. Atlantis, when sunk by the earthquake, became an impossible barrier of mud to voyagers sailing from hence to any part of the ocean. So, I mean, and you look at this, and I I definitely could see two of land, three of water. I could see what that's mm-hmm. talking about, the two land moats and three water moats. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's spot on, too. Um, let's see, a little bit more on it is... Uh, I lost my spot, I'm sorry. I had to go look at the picture again. He spoke of Mount of a mount sheltering by the city by north and an encompassing and great plain of an oblong shape to the south. Uh, Atlantis in Greek means uh, so I just really say Atlantis in Greek means Atlantis. Great. The island of Atlas. Um, and we get near to as we get near to the geologic eye. Uh, where was it? Which, I'm sorry. I found the wrong spot. You're good. Uh, right. Okay, the dikes, apparently those are what those are called. The dikes are generally 300 meters long and typically one to four meters wide. And they consist of massive carbon carbonatites that are mostly devoid of vesicles. No idea what that is. Um, but the rocks have been carbon dating as being cooled 94 to 104 million years ago. Vesicles, if I'm remembering correctly, in rocks are when uh, igneous rock cools down or any kind of rock. It's like little holes or channels that okay, are left so behind Okay, so meaning it wasn't volcanic in nature. Is that what they're trying to tell yeah, us? Yeah, I'd, I'd guess so. Okay. Um, it's basically uh, yeah, if you 100 have- million years ago. So what's interesting to me about the Rashat structure is, have you heard much about the Younger Dryas theory? I don't think, wait, what was it called? The Younger Dryas impact theory. No, I haven't heard that one. So the Younger Dryas theory is a theory that a an impact, like a comet impact happened Um on the earth that caused sea levels to fluctuate. It wiped out like 50% of the world's uh, like species and biodiversity because it caused like terrible destruction on the land fires. Yeah. Um, you know, the sea levels rose and changes. And- yeah. And, and if there were humans, it, there were supposedly humans at the time, but uh only about 50% of the human population survived. And so, so this isn't this isn't the dinosaur one. No, not the dinosaur no. one. But Darth. what's interesting is that the Younger Dryas impact theory, the timeline lines up pretty well with when Plato says Atlantis was destroyed. So Plato says that Atlantis sunk into the sea and part of the Younger Dryas impact theory is that it caused the sea levels to fluctuate. And so it could have caused, you know, the great flood of the earth, or it could have caused right. um, these natural this disasters. This one story, <laughs> every single um, 
uh, civilization has come up with a story for in terms of a flood. Right. I thought that was crazy. Like every single civilization has a a flood story in their history. Yeah, so, it, it really is crazy. And this, it, I mean, that makes sense if it's this thing. It, it's interesting to me how many, apart from the flood, just how many commonalities there are in um, historical records like that across the world. Like a lot of native cultures in the Americas have um, America, in, South America, yeah. things like that have very similar, you know, histories. Um, a lot of the structural things that you see pyramids and things are similar across the world. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say is pyramids was one that was weird to me. It's just like, why did two completely two or more completely different civilizations who've never spoken to each other in their entire lives, don't even know the other ones exist, build the same type of structures to worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's crazy to me. Like, like there's, and some of them are unique enough that, well, like you see them, you see it in one place and you see it in the other place, but they're so unique, even though they're the same structure, they're so unique just in their structure that it's like, how could they have each come up with the same thing without talking to each other? Like, there's no way that both of them could have ever come up with that just like on their own. And I I don't know, but I think that's a basis for a lot of people's uh, aliens exist thing is that mm -hmm. aliens came down and gave, you know, basically instructions to everybody. Yeah. And that's why that's how they got the same information. We need to do an episode just called aliens. And we just talk about all the craziness that like people have for uh, the existence of aliens like that. I don't I agree. I think we could do a ton of episodes like that, but I don't know if I mentioned this, but I went to Arizona almost a month ago and we visited this museum called the UFO Experience. Oh, no way, dude. Yeah, it's supposedly like the largest one of the largest collections of like UFO stuff and alien stuff in the country. And so we went there and it was it was a little cheesy but they had a lot of really cool stuff like you walk in and, and one of the first exhibits was you could go and watch the videos of all of the UFO footage released by the government a couple oh, years the, ago, like the tic tac go fast. Yeah, like you could watch yeah. those. But then they, they had they had like these old school, like Cold War era looking telephones that you could pick up and you would hear communication between like like pilots and like air traffic control about like encounters they were having with ufos that aren't famous like just random encounters like of pilots encountering a crazy ufo or like being attacked by something and then you'd move into the next room and it would be like abduction encounters like each room was a different theme so like the first one was like military encounters with aliens and abductions but one of the rooms was ancient cultures and so they had all of these like artifacts and tablets obviously recreations of them but like there's an artifact they uncovered in like Mesopotamia or something that looked like a spaceship, like that was carved and looked like a spaceship and all these tablets that have like pictures of what look like aliens and spaceships and crazy technology rockets, you know, things like that, that it's just uncanny to see how closely they resemble like yeah. modern day things. And so it was just, it was crazy to me to see all these things from across the world and how they lined up and how consistent they were, but like, thousands and thousands of years ago. And so I liked what you said earlier about Atlantis being a kingdom, because I think this common history or common structure and, 
an organization across the world like lends itself to something like that, like some common culture or knowledge being spread across the world and everyone kind of using that, you know, <laughs> and right. <coughs> uh, a lot of like 17th and 18th century researchers into Atlantis kind of theorized that Atlantis was the culture that really started like really had all of the knowledge of the world and that every everything good and advanced in technology or like literature anything advanced came from Atlantis and so like no culture could develop on its own unless they had like the Atlantean knowledge so like the Mayans they were stupid and they couldn't do anything on their own they had to like learn the Atlantic way to do things and so it's kind of like a racist theory, like everyone's stupid except for Western Europeans that like have this Atlantean knowledge and technology, you know, um, but I right. thought I thought that was interesting, but it kind of lends itself to that theory of this common knowledge spreading throughout the world and things being consistent across the world. So it did make a little bit of sense and it, it, it does give some kind of theory to that connection between cultures which i thought was interesting <laughs> obviously i don't think that's the case i think humans around the world were really smart and obviously developed their own cultures but um right it it was interesting to think that maybe there was one advanced culture that kind of kicked it off or they 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 kind of say that it was like the garden of eden where everything started right and then spread out from there um but then it was destroyed by this great flood and whether that was this younger Dryas impact or just a flood or the gods destroyed it, who knows. But another thing I find interesting that the younger Dryas impact kind of deals with is a lot of really ancient like Gobekli Tepe. And there's another one right next to Gobekli Tepe. Um, let me let me find out what it's called. Something Tepe. It's um, uh, Karahan Tepe. So Gobekli Tepe, for those of you who don't know, it's in Turkey. And some guy in the 90s, like like a sheep herder or a farmer or something, discovered something weird in the ground and decided to like dig it up. And then he's like, I just discovered this crazy building or like this crazy structure. And right. so they've started to excavate it. But they only have like 10% of the place excavated. But they estimate that it was built. 12,000 years ago. And this would have been around or before the time of the younger Dryas impact. But like, how could human like in it with our idea of like a linear history, like humans started out with rocks and sticks and we've become what we are today with cell phones with our idea of linear history. Like it's almost impossible to think that people 12,000 years ago could build a, a city that complex and like that well right. engineered because the, some of the engineering and like carving of stones and stuff that they do in those ancient buildings in Gobekli Tepe, like we can't even replicate that today. And so what that tells me is that there probably was a lot of very advanced civilizations. If this uh, younger Dryas impact theory is true, there probably were a lot of really advanced civilizations that were wiped out or that we lost a lot of their knowledge, yeah. you know, through some cataclysmic event. And it's probably not, you know, the advancement that we think of today with tablets and cell phones, but just different advancement in the knowledge of like physics and natural manipulation of natural laws and things like that. So, um, 
I think that the linear history that we think of, of like humans just becoming, you know, coming from being cavemen to what we are now, I don't think it's like that at all anymore. And this Atlantis theory kind of did that for me too, where Atlantis was right. supposedly this very advanced civilization wiped out. And now we know nothing about it, but I, I do think that there were a lot of advanced people back then that, that we lost tons of knowledge from. I mean, yeah. How, with how old the earth is, uh, how do you, I mean, there's the chances of there being way more civilizations and people that we thought there were. I think that's not too ridiculous to think. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know who, who says that uh, civilization can't be reset. I mean, we've seen it before, like the mighty fall and whatever, and you have to build back up from the ashes, but I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't happen to us soon. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope not. Um, But I liked what you were saying though, about how, this Rishat structure could be like another part of Atlantis, like maybe like right. a second location, you know, and they built it the same way. I I didn't think about that myself, that there could possibly be like multiple locations. So I thought that was really interesting. And it does match up with um, <clears throat> kind of the location Let's in see. Africa, right? Because they talked about how Solon, the man who originally started this story, passed down to Plato like he dealt a lot in Africa but also one of the richest men ever like Mauritania the country where the eye of Sahara is had tons of gold and tons of like natural resources like ore and iron and so back in the day like they were balling they were super rich and so it could have been like a very suitable location for a civilization to thrive especially when it was this green you know, very fertile land before it became a desert. Like it's no stretch to me to think that they could have had a very like successful, bustling, powerful civilization there too. Right. Okay. I'm trying to find the quote I read that made me think that there were multiple different spots or whatever. Oh my gosh. And I can't find it. Why don't we ever write things down? We go, Oh yeah, we found this. And then, (laughs) Yeah. But I can't find it right now. <laughs> the amount of times we say that. I feel like uh, I feel like we're pretty amateur, you know? Mm-hmm. And I can't find it, but I know who said it. Uh, his name is Jimmy Corsetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he runs the uh, YouTube channel Bright Insight. It has 1.6 million subscribers. So he's no he's not a nobody. And he does basically videos on um, this kind of stuff, like uh, secrets of the Sphinx and uh, CIA files released show more than we know about the pyramids. And and he talked about this, about Atlantis and stuff. And he said something online, along the lines of there were it was a kingdom. It was a. You know, like, a, yeah, I guess a kingdom with. Like, I think it said like eight different cities or something like that, all led individually. But like the but Atlantis itself was the like capital of all of it. Hmm. And that made me think when I saw that, I was like, maybe that was one of them. I don't know, because it's no it's thought that, you know, the 
southern part of Spain was where Atlantis was, but that's that's not where this was. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe this was another city that was just a little bit further into Africa. Like you said, I mean, the in the mythology, he had to cross from uh, Spain to Africa. So who says it can't be right? Well, it says that they were able to travel from Atlantis to like other islands and continents, right? So who's to say it wasn't in Africa or it wasn't in Spain and they just traveled back and forth between these islands or continents and they were just traveling between those locations, you know, you never know. But um, the, the, uh, like the plate tectonics theory as well that has become mainstream could show that those locations could have been closer originally or like could have been more, um, intact with each other, especially that tiny little strait between Spain and Africa, like that could have been connected back when this was a thing, you know, it, right. The earth could have moved since then or shifted when this younger Dryas happened in a way that, that threw things out of whack and kind of caused them to separate or something like that. And they previously could have been closer to each other or related in some way that, yeah. Um, I just think that how they line up with the description is crazy. Like the size and everything is consistent with the description of it all. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm like a full believer in Atlantis now, but I'm, I'm much more a believer than I was before that, that it was actually I'm, a place. Here's the thing in my mind, even if Atlantis wasn't real, I'm convinced there was an ancient civilization mm-hmm. that did get wiped out that we don't know about anymore kind of thing. Right. Like, I guarantee <laughs> that happened, whether it's Atlantis or something completely different in a completely different spot. For sure. Or, you know, something in between. But maybe we're halfway right kind of thing. Yeah. But and, sorry, go on. No, that's that was the end of my thought there. One of the other theories, and I think this one's more far-fetched, is that the Americas could have been the location for Atlantis. And I feel like there's so much here that we haven't discovered, especially North America. We don't have a lot of large ruins in North America. Um, I don't know if there are. We have caves and stuff like Central and South America and Mexico. There's a lot more. But North America, I don't feel like we have a ton of like ruins you know like where do you go to find ruins here you don't um yeah not not a ton that i know about anyway okay i found it sorry i found it let me say it really quick the quote (laughs) i i've been looking for this the whole time uh he said it's uh atlantis it was said that atlantis to be was a oh my gosh this is not a good transcript uh was said to be a kingdom made of made up of an empire of 10 kingdoms. And there was a lost city of Atlantis, which was the capital and made up of concentric circles, two of water, three of land. So apparently 10 kingdoms Hmm. uh, that made up Atlantis, I guess. Interesting. Anyway, if you want to learn more about that itself, I'd recommend you just check out uh, what was it? Bright Insight YouTube channel because he's got a lot of videos on um, Atlantis, and, and he, he's been on Joe Rogan talking about it. 
yeah, he he was that's where I originally heard about the Eye of the Sahara. And he's one of the guys that's really pushing that right now. And so go listen to that podcast, too, because he presents some good evidence. The guy that's with him, too, knows a lot about like ancient cultures and stuff. And they talk about the younger Dryas and all that all that good stuff. But I, I thought the American theory was interesting, but um, like they say, it's past the pillars of Heracles, which America would be, you know, past the Atlantic ocean. Um, but they've found like the LIDAR scans over the Amazon where they found these massive, like buried structures and civilizations. Like previously we thought maybe a couple hundred thousand people like lived in some of these ancient you know, South American, Central American civilizations, but now they're like, there could have been a few million there. And right. so who knows what they're going to uncover there? Who knows what they're going to keep uncovering in Gobekli Tepe or across the world? Like, I feel like there's just so much that we haven't like, haven't even don't even know is there yet. And as we start yeah. to uncover some of that, I think hopefully some of this Atlantis stuff will become a little more clear and, Maybe Plato will be proved correct, but I go back to a lot of the specifics again that he says in this story of Atlantis with one, how it was destroyed by natural disaster, the location, the description of he goes, if you read the full encounter that he wrote, it's pretty long, but he even talks about the people themselves and like how all of them were physically fit. They were physically fit because they were always fighting and like at war and they wanted to conquer the world and how the women and the men were equal. He talks about like their system of working together in government. And just, he talks about a lot of things that are so specific that it's like, man, this is a lot to make up, but he never really did that in any of his other allegories either to that extent. So who knows, but I'm, I'm more of a believer now for sure. And like you said, in, in something similar to Atlantis, but I love this kind of stuff. Mm. I think it's so cool. It's great. Lost civilization stuff is very, <laughs> it's fun. Well, I know I've mentioned this before, but there was that, uh, that Netflix series on ancient civilizations. One, one of which was Gobekli Tepe. Uh, what was it called? Was ancient it ancient apocalypse? apocalypse? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So Graham Hancock, the guy that did that, he's a really big proponent for the younger Dryas impact too. Yeah, and apparently most scientists disagree with him and think he's like a dangerous pseudoscientist. Which kind of thing. T- to me is stupid. Why would you not listen to evidence? Like even Jimmy Corsetti was saying this on Joe Rogan. He's like, no one's going to accept my like evidence on this. They're not because they've all written textbooks. They don't want to be proven wrong. Like they right. all think they're right. They can't look stupid now. Like so they're just going to. Even- play dumb until they the find point of science is discover new things and change what we already know because we're updating with new information yeah that's the whole point of science and that that makes me skeptical that we'll ever find out if atlantis is real or not because most scientists today no. won't look at the evidence they don't They're want just, it to be yeah. real they want to be right that it isn't possible right so why even look for something that would prove you wrong yeah yeah, but yeah, go go watch the. Uh, I need to go watch all the rest. I've seen a couple of the Ancient Apocalypse episodes, and it is great. Yeah, I don't. I think I've only seen about half of it. I need to go. Uh, that being said, don't watch it as if it is gospel. I'm not saying <laughs> that, but keep an open mind. Yeah, 
And uh, let's let's do some episodes soon on Younger Dryas and ancient stuff because I do want to do okay one on Gobekli Tepe. That's actually like a bucket list thing for me is to go to. I want to go to like Machu Picchu. That'd be sick. I want to go to the pyramids really, really bad. And then I want to go to Gobekli Tepe. Those are the three sites in the world I really want to visit. I know you can go to the pyramids. You can't climb on them, though. You Can you go to Machu Picchu and actually walk around in it? Or yeah, is it you, just you like can, a- you can go walk around? Yeah. That's One awesome. of the coolest and... things I've ever seen was when I was in Mexico for uh, my mission, we went to Teotihuacan, which is a, like huge pyramids. They have the Pyramid of the Sun and the Pyramid of the Moon. And then they have like a whole city there, too. So we got to see a lot of their um, like I climbed all the way to the top of the Pyramid of the Sun and it was amazing. Sick. It was so just like the way they built it was so cool. And that it's still standing. And I just love that kind of stuff. I want to go. I want to go to go back to so bad. So if you want to send us on a pod trip, sick. donate to <laughs> the uh, the old do fund there. <laughs> Only need about, what, five grand to get started. Let's see. Flight to go back Tepe. Let's see what it is. Um, Flight to Turkey. Uh, It's a uh, no way. <laughs> 165 bucks there's no way um, no way oh it's a like a 15 day thing though <laughs> oh my so you got like a 15 day layover i guess but a <laughs> d- direct flight dude there's flights for like seven eight hundred bucks on here like that's crazy oh my gosh let's see from slc to istanbul <laughs> departure we're going june 1st and we're coming back on June 7th. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay, that's that's more. 1800 bucks. Okay. So if you want us to go do an episode live from Gobekli Tepe, just throw a couple grand our way and bring you some good content. Just a couple grand. <clears throat> Get some of those lapel mics and go crazy. <laughs> Well, cool. This was fun. I'm I'm glad we looked into this. And any yeah, last thoughts good, good on Atlantis? Um, no, no, not nothing too much. Something that started out as a fairy tale in my mind as a kid. Yeah, but I think since go back Beckley Tepe discovery and how that kind of changed how we thought of you know humanity in its age, mm-hmm. I consider it to be a possibility now. Mm-hmm. So that's that's fun. See, that's the point of science. I'm opening up my mind and accepting that things can change. Science. Yep. Science. Oh, cool. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Let us know uh, what you guys want to hear. If you have any theories on Atlantis, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We would love to. And uh, again, thanks for listening. Thank you so much. And uh, have yourselves a wonderful rest of your day. Goodbye.